Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cybersecurity Chronicles. This is Sean Mahoney with Nestwitch, and today I'm in. I'm joined by, uh, I guess, going to be a regular, somewhat. Uh, Will LaSalle. How are you, Will? <laughs> awesome. Great, great. Thanks for having me on again, Sean. It's always a pleasure <laughs> talking to you. You know, participating on anything having to, to do and come from NetSwitch. You know, and, uh, you know, talk about some great topics, man. And it seems like uh, every time uh, I'm on, we're talking if about... We, if we said the last time we talked about it, it was uh, right after a T-Mobile breach. Thing, <laughs> people would think we talked last week. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a while since you and I had a, had a conversation. Last time you and I were talking, we learned that Will LaSalle's passwords were all about his favorite Puerto Rican dishes. Have you fixed that? No, okay, so. <laughs> no, 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 because they, you know, still most, most still hackers secure, don't use a Puerto you know? Rican cookbook to spray passwords, <laughs> but they do for your account. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do a brute force. Well, well, I changed, you know, remember in the Spanish language, so we, we, we have more than 26 you know, um, 26 characters because we got the N with the little squiggly line on top. So that's all my passwords have that N, and I change out, I change out the O's there for you zeros. Go. There you go. The so other makes thing it was, more secure. I pass, uh, you're such I pass a huge all the Star tests. Wars aficionado. <laughs> Did you ever watch Mandalorian? Oh no! So, you. You are now being banned my, from calling yourself a Star Wars aficionado. I know, I know. And listen, listen, Sean, right? <laughs> we're, we're at the time of the recording that we're having this conversation on the on the video yeah. game tip, right? That's your pod, that's your Zelda, podcast. The new you Zelda do for just came out, gaming, right? And that yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the new Legend of Zelda just came out today. So that's going to take up the next my next the little bits of time, the one to three hours I have free every week, that's going to take up the next Just one to three hours the for the next four months. Just playing the game. So, yeah, Sean, I'll, I'll probably get to it right after that. Just playing the game. Because it's probably going to take about 100 hours, 100 game time hours to beat it. So that's going to take me four or five months, man. There's there's no time. But I can't complain. Same 24 hours that everybody else has. Just uh, real busy, you know. Worrying about all the cybersecurity threats and all that stuff that's out there. When people say, what keeps you up at night? It doesn't keep me up at night. <laughs> you know, what keeps me up at night is the people calling me, right? The thought the thought around it is the people that are getting breached, right? Yeah. The people that aren't practicing yeah. safe, well, you know, sex, I was, safe it, cybersecurity hygiene. We, now, granted, we, we take light like, of T-Mobile. Um, and... And while it is important, and I've said this before, I'm a T-Mobile customer, so it is important. It's it, you know to to see this in the news yes, on a regular likewise. basis, and, and I'm quite serious by a regular basis. My last LinkedIn post about them was, you know, you might as well call them the gang that couldn't mm -hmm. shoot straight, because really the efforts they're making, they're making the right efforts, but there's so <laughs> many problems, and I think that it comes. Give me your perspective on this, but I think it comes from one, being a global organization, truly global organization. And two, the mergers and acquisitions of companies and the integrations of those infrastructures and cultures 
as well as all the DevOps that they go through, has to be a nightmare to try to figure out how to integrate those and spread across the proper security. What do you think? Okay, well, great. Thanks for coming, Will. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, we could end right now because you hit it right on the head. No, you know, you hit it right on the head. No, but but to elaborate, so to elaborate, because you're a hundred percent right. So to elaborate on that, right? And it, you hit the nail on the head where it comes from. They're a sprawling organization, right? That's that. So now you're talking about more attack vectors more more yeah. surface area for for attacks more sophistication around that it's harder to defend budgets don't necessarily yeah. scale proportionately to that right we all know that from any budget so it doesn't scale it's not something like oh you had 200 <laughs> sites and your budget was 3 million you got 400 sites so your budget should be right. 6 million no it's always proverbially do more with less mentality um, and like you were saying, in terms of integration of systems, you're creating these integrations, you have legacy systems that have legacy problems right. that in some cases you're putting your CIO or executive hat on and you got to make these kind of uh, build versus buy analysis. You got to make this. Um, it's cheaper to continue to support this legacy um, application, this legacy hardware than it is to rip it out and replace it with a new one. Although we we all know if you really quantify the ROI over the long term, it ends up being cheaper and you avoid what the quintessential word here is risk. You avoid the risk. But no one, that's not sexy, right? That's not sexy to a bottom line. Um, in the current economy where you see people um, where they want to get low-hanging fruit, they want to get points to prop to, to pop a stock right? They'll sit there and say, oh, we're laying off 10,000 employees. And then we, we talked about this offline too, Sean. We're laying off 10,000 employees. Oh, by the way, the next line Get underneath right. is we're investing $2 billion in chat GPT or you know, open AI. So it's like, well, whatever you saved over there, you're more than out. But it's sexy to say we're saving money. And it's sexy to say you're in, you're in, investing Crazy, in the yes. new hot technology that everybody knows is going to be hot. And by AI, we... We're saying artificial intelligence, <laughs> not AI Alan Iverson, because I've seen a lot of um, I've seen a lot of funny memes lately where it's like, why is AI doing this? Why is AI replacing two hundred thousand jobs? And it shows a picture of Alan Iverson, too. right? <laughs> oh yeah, especially if you're talking. You know, I was talking, talking about practice, right? We all know, we all know that one. But and they do have to deal with topics <laughs> like. They had to replace an appliance. The appliance happened to be located in Russia, a global organization. It's in Russia. Yeah. What do they do? Mm-hmm. Do they do they ship one yep. in and ship it back? Do they send someone carrying the appliance into Russia? Right now, it'd be an American into Russia to deal with this. <laughs> Not many Americans are willing to do that. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, do they have a contractor go in and do this? How they know it's being done without something being put on the the appliance to listen in, or to sit in on the network traffic, you know. So there's so many exactly. different security considerations, you know, above what so many of our listeners, uh, and certainly our customers that tend to be more of the small and mid-sized businesses. These are not the things that they need to deal with. So, but it it, it leads to the bigger problem, the issue that there are complex systems out there and 
our customers are more and more becoming a part of that supply chain in which they are a part of that complex infrastructure in some way. They don't realize it all the time, but they are a part of that complex infrastructure and they need to be doing the right things uh, to secure their own organizations to be that good partner, that safe partner. Uh, again, we get back to that safe sex cyber hygiene thing, but you know they need to be doing the right things. And it, you know, anyway, yeah, that's yeah. sort of uh, where where I see some things on that. You know, they're an easy target. T-Mobile's an easy target to to make fun of and things like that. But they do have a lot of complex issues to deal with. But but you hit the nail on the head again, right? The supply chain is a big part of it, and a lot of. of Current breaches, previous breaches, it yeah. ends up being that weakest link. We're saying a lot of cliches today, but it, it is that true, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. And if your weakest link is in your supply chain, it's in your vendors, um, then that's that's a problem. Um, and what ends up happening is, so you as wanting to a small, medium <laughs> business, because we're, we're picking on a big global, you know, multinational organization, right? But, but their suppliers throughout the entire world, right? right? They need to be able to 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 not be that weakest link in the chain. So they need to really take care of that cyber hygiene. And I think that's where they have to partner up with organizations like NetSwitch, like Simplex to be able to kind of have that cyber hygiene. But, and this is one of the things that I want to say, because people say, but how, right? This is where a lot of the countries, including the US and a lot of these um whether it's a country enforcement, right, compliance or mandate, or it's an industry specific enforcement or mandate, like a payment card industry, or, you know, where they're, they're telling you, hey, these are best practices. These are things that need to be done. But, but we need to increase the, the, unfortunately, the penalties, not to be a stand from a standpoint, but to kind of coerce people in a nice way into, taking this stuff serious because we're picking back at t-mobile listen they're a shiny ex example yeah, a, a big name another big name that was out there was samsung recently too where with with ai and chat <laughs> chat gpt stuff people yeah. were uploading ip and internal source code so you go it, it, people forget sean that that it's information security. Cybersecurity, yes, but it's information. We got to secure information. Old school passwords on notepads. It's the same thing if you're uploading some cool stuff into chat GPT. That's IP that you just put there out right. to, onto and, the public cloud. You know, that was one of the things. You did the hacker's job for them. Employees were using chat GPT for certain things. And, you know, it. But all of this, let me touch back on one thing you said. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned Simplex. What is Simplex? Sure, sure. I, I thought you'd like this really tough, so hard-hitting that's question. A great, that's a great thing, question, Sean. So, <laughs> so Simplex is a cyber cybersecurity SaaS product that simplifies risk, right? That was a key word from earlier. Management for organizations. Saves them 75% spend on average, and it utilizes smart automation, AI, not Allen Iverson, but artificial intelligence, and integrations with their existing platforms. So, so a lot of things that you mentioned, right? It's what we try to simplify, the simplex, and and to make it just easier. Where some of these dollars, like we said, budget dollars, can you be used more appropriately for things like bringing NetSwitch to 
do an assessment, right? So they can use them them dollars to once they've identified something in Simplex that's a gap because they've done a self assessment, they could bring in someone like NetSwitch to come in and do the remediation around that and improve that all in accordance with the compliance, right? And in that single pane of glass, so those integrations with the platform like Sarah to be able to have them get to that journey where now no longer the organization is is a weakest link, but what it does for these organizations and putting my CISO and executive hat on, it positions them as being able to be a strategic partner. When we talk about CMMC, you got to have this just to bid on certain government type projects where you got to be able to uh, verify that you're at a certain level to even bid on that. So it'll allow you to win. So it's going to be instead of that, oh, we got to do it because the government's on our butt. It's going to be something that's going to make you from a strategic perspective. So is it win handling really more the, but the you're being secure at the, the same time. Side, the governance risk that's win -win. inside the policies and procedures, the documentation, how you do things. Which is why it fits in yes. with Sarah, where we're so, looking at the technical exactly. So what that the policies, the procedures tell us, we're looking at the technical controls that it, the technology in the infrastructure is actually doing what the the company says it's doing from a documentation side. And it sounds very complicated, and, and in some ways it is. Exactly. But, right. So, uh, you know, we're seeing with automation how much easier that is to do, how much faster it is to do. And you're seeing it from the AI side of and how quickly it can be done to customize for the environment, pulling from all the information it knows, uh, and then your platform of, yeah. of aligning those risks to whatever frameworks or regulations. Yeah. That, that's 100%. So it'll, it, the, the platform would allow you to sit there and um, kind of create not kind of it would allow right. you to create your plans your gantt charts right and you're, you're you're able to get those and then you're able to integrate the data that you have from from your systems to really start identifying your gaps and remediate those gaps the platform's not going to remediate those gaps but the platform can integrate with Sarah with organizations that can do and remediate for example if it's if it's identified as, as part of the gap that you need MFA, well, you know, uh, it can identify, it can get you in contact with NetSwitch to do an MFA project. That MFA project is done. Now within the platform, you know, you've obtained this. When you try to obtain your compliance or have an assessor come in, they can come in and, and through the platform digitally, right? All in the cloud. They can come in and identify, look at your yeah, evidence, look at your, your proof clear, of that, they, certify they you right through the platform. artifacts. The, the assessors want to see the artifacts, uh, which is really the evidence. Mm. And, and that's what we see is we're working with them as well as we can provide the technical evidence, yeah. the artifacts. And they're looking at the documentation artifacts uh, for the part of that assessment. Mm -hmm. You know, we were recently engaged with a company in the manufacturing sector. And the only reason they started talking about cybersecurity from having really understanding where they are from a security posture was because one of their customers... Uh, came in with a security information gathering questionnaire and wanted to ask, what is your security posture? What are your policies? What are your mm -hmm. procedures? What are your technical controls? What are all these things? And their director of IT spent a period of time trying to answer all this stuff, and they were really struggling 
because network security is not cybersecurity. Just like you know, your primary care physician mm-hmm. is not your cardiologist. They're both doctors, but they're not cardiologists. And, and both cyber and, and network work, mm-hmm. work in security, but they measure different yeah. things. And um, you know, it's becoming more and more important uh, as we're talking to customers like this that they understand it's got to start from the top of the company down. The company leadership has to take it seriously that they want the company to operate a particular mm-hmm. way. Employees will always find ways around the way the company says it's going to work to make it easier for themselves. But you put the proper controls in place to catch them when they're doing that, not to punish them, but just to make sure that they stay in line. You really kind of shepherd them more than than doing anything else. So uh, with all of this stuff, one of the other parts of the conversation you and I were having, Will, is we're starting to get some more interest like uh, into the U.S. market, but coming in out of Mexico with the manufacturing sector into, into the U.S., part of the supply chain. What trends are you seeing uh, within Central America and South America and the Caribbean Basin? You're dealing a lot in the, that space. What are you seeing from a regulation, uh, business acceptance, business knowledge, uh, down in those areas relative to this stuff. No, great question. Great question. So in those areas, they're they're starting to adopt. And it, it's, I'll use the example of more like in the EU with GDPR, right? So they, they, they had that, they passed that. A lot of companies fearful. What does that mean? How do I get compliant with that? They have all these questions. So in the Caribbean Latam, um, even Mexico and going into Caribbean and Latam, right? They're experiencing that, right? In terms of the government is stepping in and saying, hey, our constituents really care about data privacy. Um, they're stepping in and passing certain compliances. Okay. So other countries have their equivalent of a GDPR, right? Jam- Jamaica, down in Brazil, you know, and almost all these countries that um, we kind of take for granted from that standpoint. But our, like you said, our valuable pieces of the supply chain, including they they do business in North America, in the United States specifically. So now they're seeing, okay, we have to kind of abide by, as a supply chain partner, abide by CMMC. So what does that mean for us? Um, as you know, in the United States, it, CMMC for small and medium businesses has become something of a, we don't have the, the funding, we don't have the money to do that. Like we're a small, medium business for a reason. So there's creativity that's happening in the United States space. A lot of that is trickling down from that standpoint as well into the Caribbean and Latin America, Mexico markets where they're saying, okay, we have our, but we don't have to abide by that, but we have ISO 27001, which is sort of similar, right? Or we want to do NIST CSF because we sit there and say that um, um, we think that aligns because it, it aligns closely with that. So at least we have that framework. Right. But like you were saying, if they are asked to fill out a security questionnaire and not be identified as that weakest link, they want to at least have something in place that kind of fits into the common protocols that would be with whatever it is that they're doing business with. Because them cybersecurity questionnaires, I... Early on in my career, I spent nothing but time <laughs> filling them out. I put it on as a resume bullet, right? Filled out all the security questionnaires. I was director of information security. And you get into a little, 
you got your own repository so copy paste from over here oh here's an evidence over there and we can help these organizations because they they you know right. the the thing with the, those areas they're behind us so much right in north america we're a little spoiled with them it's sort of like they still use spreadsheets and and for <laughs> us that's something right. like maybe socks compliance when it happened in the early 2000s right 2003 four five time frame we used we use spreadsheets. We use SharePoint, right? We had that kind of stuff. Then these GRC platforms started coming out in North America. We're spoiled. In South America, they're sitting here doing that stuff with spreadsheets and and bubblegum. And um, but they need to be compliant. They need to take cybersecurity seriously because these are all emerging markets, and they're going to have these same problems. A lot of the breaches we talked about, even in, yeah. in previous episodes. Uh, right. Remember Equifax, they had that big breach, but then they had the breach in South America that happened like a few weeks after that, that put them back in the in the news. Um, so they get kind of neglected. They're like our redheaded, uh, you know, stepchild or whatever like that. But we, we yeah. need to put some Especially focus on there because with our so data exists there too, Sean. Um, that companies are bringing to their organizations to do certain yeah. things with the data. You're not always sure where those third-party facilitators are to get the application to do what it does where are they located and where are they storing mm -hmm. their data in order to manipulate the data or massage the data to give you actionable information back you know how's that being moved around how's it being stored what's their encryption mm -hmm. policy what's their access policies those are all important things to know from a business standpoint you know you, know, you mentioned the 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 different countries are coming up with their own regulations. Uh, one of the things we've seen in the Asia Pacific region is that the countries are really mm -hmm. moving quickly. Singapore in particular is moving very quickly in regard to cybersecurity laws, um, those that can operate in cybersecurity, data privacy laws. Uh, all of that is moving very quickly to catch up to where the the US, Canada and Europe are. The companies though are still lagging behind. They're not moving as quick as quickly as the governments are to adopt this new mindset. Are you seeing the same sort of thing in the Latin American countries? Well, yeah, you know, and and a lot of I it, mean, but business is always going to yes, be right. A lot of it is kicking fear. and screaming to do right? the right thing many times because it is a cost line for them. But 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 I think it's also fear. It, so it's fear the cost, right? That's number one, right? That's the number one. But a lot of times it's also it's, it's an excuse. I think the fear comes in because um, most places their business practices, right, of that. Like you made, you made a lot of mention, make sure that they have this, this, this in place. Well, all that is great. But if you got, you know, if I sit right. here and I have everything encrypted, et cetera, and we talked about that chat GPT model, right? But we have somebody there and it's real tough. I know there's software solutions and people are going to ping me on that. 
it's real tough and real easy at the same time to have somebody right. look over your shoulder and see the data right there that they're not supposed to see, right? To have somebody take a picture with their phone, you know, so now you're talking about espionage and stuff like that, right? So there's there's always ways that that data can still be exfiltrated. Um, and if they don't have those kind of measures in place, then it, it it's all for show. But a lot of this would be exposed from that standpoint, right? Because they'll sit there and say, or if they are truly audited, right. they can sit there and and, sh- and show that you don't have physical security. Your guys have secure passwords that they write on a sticky and they have it right on their laptop, right? And it got thrown out with the night's trash. So this kind this kind of stuff is it it exposes that that stuff. And Sean, we both worked for organizations in the past on our way up through the careers where usually it's the people telling you like we're gonna enforce this, but. Don't enforce it to me. I don't want a secure password. You know, I don't want my BlackBerry to be, you know, to have this software or have this. I don't want MDM on my phone, right? I don't want you to see my stuff. Uh, Remember, (laughs) there was that breach. So we go back to a breach. What was it? Uh, Ashley Madison or whatever it was, .com. There were a lot of executives with their executive emails that came uh, up in there. We have a a customer (laughs) and the, the CEO did one MDM on his device, but... This dude loses his phone quite often, mm-hmm. and uh, he has. After the first <laughs> couple of times, he said, "Okay, yep. go ahead and put it on there, so we can brick his his device wherever it is, and secure the secure his information from that device." So, you know, it's there are there are simple tools out there that people need to know that that are yeah. out there that, um, you know, if you're working with a group of people that you trust, which you know. It's hard to do nowadays, but there are things you can do to entrust people to secure your data in such a way that it uh, it doesn't come back to haunt your your business or you personally. So, I'll give you I'll give you a quick story before we. Man, we you think about carpenter today? Because you, you hit the, the nail on the head too. If you don't physically. <laughs> You don't. You had my coffee. You know, you're you're on the you're on the ball today. You're on you're in the zone today. (laughs) It's um, I had I had an organization where we we have tight security. We have the the whole nine. We have a guy that was uh, and this has proliferated a lot in the last three years with with um um people working remote mostly right you know as opposed to before so there was only a few people that worked remote everybody works in the office now this was still in an office setting so we had the person that was the chief architect head of development etc right and he would sit there you know kind of quirky always sitting in a beanbag chair on the floor on his laptop headphones on you know beats by dre etc and it was just, hey, that's the head of development. He's kicking butt. He's doing what he's doing. So hands off. So we always had our policies and everything like that in place. But now once we got some visibility into the network, we rolled out a proof of concept on a, at the time, brand new piece of technology called Dark Trace. Right? They're well established out there in the market now. So we identified Tor data. We identified ton- VPN tunnels that were coming in. And what we identified, and this is the craziness, this is what I say with security, what we identified was that the, there was a VPN tunnel coming from, like you were saying, like Russia, Belarus, like Ukraine. I think this was either from Belarus or Ukraine. So there was 
So the guy basically was sitting there all day, not really doing anything. He had a, he had a laptop and he had a desktop, but it's the head of development, right? So you're figuring he had a guy that VPNed all day into his machine and wrote all his code. So he basically outsourced his entire job, was outsourced to this organization coming in. He spent most of the day on his laptop probably playing games and listening to cool tunes. So he's he's getting paid probably almost 200000 I kid you not, and had his job outsourced and secure. So again, it was a VPN tunnel, right? It's like, so it's secure. It passes a sniff test. But when we found everything out and peel back the onion, it's like Jeez. the dude sending his data or the guy source code is going to some unauthorized partner out there. It's 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 our integrity right. and reputational risk is through the roof now, right? Because if we tell somebody, no, our development is done stateside. It's not outsourced. It's not this. Your data's not traversing. But it was going through a very secure tunnel, even tour to a guy over there doing the entire job and getting wow. paid probably one tenth of what this guy was doing. <laughs> crazy, crazy. You can't make this stuff up. This is like real, real life. And you're like, you know, it's. Uh, I don't know what to say there. That's you know? one extreme. You know, the other is you have your employees that do that do dumb things. They yeah. they go on a company device. They go to some place. You know, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna pick on them. Facebook. They go to Facebook. They start poking around on websites they shouldn't be going to. Um, and it, yeah. it's one of the things we were able to demonstrate. Uh, one of our clients is, and, and this was all part of the security awareness and education. Because we had the security tools, like you implemented Darktrace to find what's going on in our network, and all of a sudden you find this traffic that you didn't expect. You know, we're finding employee activity that yep. we would expect because people are people. Um, but it was just a matter of letting mm -hmm. the employees know, mm -hmm. hey, you're going somewhere you shouldn't be going. Um, and letting them know that they shouldn't, you know, reminding them they shouldn't be doing this on a company device. The company is looking at the activity from a security standpoint and noticing that their behavior yeah. is going to these sites. The, the amount of improper traffic that dropped after just the employees being aware that the company is monitoring its company's devices, mm -hmm. it... You know, it's just changing the behavior. You know, so you have somewhat innocent, maybe naive, maybe careless activity to the malicious. But having these things is, you know, somebody said recently, I was, it was, um, it was a global v CISO that I was talking to. And he, he was talking about, you know, this, we're always the department of no. IT is always the department of no. And I said, you know, it, that's one mm -hmm. of the things that Stanley and I talk about all the time is how do we change the narrative? How do you change the narrative from being the department of no to being the department of mm -hmm. be better? <laughs> Don't be dumb. Um, but even just, you know, helping them, yeah. educating them that how this affects the company also affects them personally. If they do this at home on their company device, they do it at home on their phone, they they open the same kind of risks to their own to their own lives, to their own data, their banking accounts, passwords, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, that's, that's important for them to understand. So, um, mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, one thing, Sean, what you're saying is if you become that department of no, you know, that's what led to the proliferation for the past yeah, almost 10 years now, I would say five to 10 years of shadow IT, right? Because they they turn around and they'll say, well, I'm going to do it myself or I'm going to do this because they'll go through the mantra of it's better to uh, beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Right. So that leads to that. So now you you, you create a problem for IT again with shadow IT and you're going to have to support certain things because um, certain organizations and this happened to me. Now they become so dependent on something that came in through shadow IT that now you have to support it and you realize that it does have security risks. So you got to instead of know what I've learned the hard way is to say yes, but right. Oh, can we do that? Yes, but. Let's make sure that it's secure. Let's make sure that it not only reads, meets your requirements, but that it's secure and it meets our regulatory requirements or our corporate policies. And if we need to change it, we'll change it. And usually it's better than that hard no where now they turn around and say, well, because uh, the, everything you've been mentioning, right. there's workarounds, right? Like you said, they'll go home. They'll have another laptop. You can get a laptop for 200 bucks. You can get an iPad, a cell phone, and, and you know, so and you can do so right. much it's, on it's these that, yes, that it proliferates shadow IT think about more. This. Or I'd rather you not, what if you tried this instead? You know, it's yep. really just changed the language that we're using with the employees to help yep, them get exactly. to make the right decisions. Exactly. So. Hey, Will, we are, uh, we're out of time. We went a little bit long today. Yep. You, you talk a lot. We both talk a lot. No problem. Oh, do you know I, what it is? You 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 you, you, you say a lot of great <coughs> insightful things, Sean. That's what it is. Yeah. Keep so, the flattery. Got, time flies. I time flies that. because of that. <laughs> hey, I, I just as long as the check. Ch- All right. Well, come. thank you everybody for listening today. <laughs> today my guest was Will Lasalle at JLS Tech. I'm Sean Hunter with Switch. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cybersecurity Chronicles, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Will. Take care. Thanks. Bye.